So, Nick, let me ask you. Were you ever told as a kid to say H-E double hockey sticks instead of the word hell? No, I was told that if I said any of those variations, I'd get slapped in the mouth. See, my parents were okay with it up until like 10 years old. I always said H double hockey sticks. Like, that's how I would say it. But it was it was hard because I would say that, but then we actually rented the movie Jason Goes to Hell, and I was like, hey, it's it's on the cover of a movie. How bad can it be? Like, it's the title of a movie. But even as we're watching Jason Goes to Hell, because they rented and let me watch it, they were still like, no, you can't say the word. It's like, what? It's a movie title. Come on. <laughs> it doesn't need to make sense. Your parents tell you you're not allowed to say it, and you're not allowed to say it. They let me watch the movie, Nick. <laughs> I was able to watch so? the movie, but not say the word. It Ridiculous. doesn't matter if they let you watch the movie. Who thought of this title anyways, Jason Goes to Hell? This is a ridiculous title. Only because Jason's not actually in hell. Yeah, this was like false advertising the same way of Jason Takes Manhattan. He really only goes to hell in the last two minutes of the movie. I mean, I would have liked to see the movie start with him going to hell, and then we explore him in hell doing his thing, his adventures in hell. This is not what I was promised. Not to mention, we don't even see hell at all. He gets dragged to it, but we never see it. Well, they didn't have the budget for hell. <laughs> if, they didn't, if they didn't have the budget for New York... How are they going to have the budget for hell? <laughs> I'd be curious to see. This is their first movie with Jason. Did they give it as big of a budget as their typical nightmare film? Or did they say, nah, Jason, you got you to gotta prove yourself first, then we'll give you a Freddy budget? I'd be curious to look I'm that su- up, actually. I'm surprised you didn't look that up already. I didn't think about it until you said it, but it's true. Freddy is their baby, though. Freddy is their, their firstborn. Jason is the... Really, Jason they, is a redheaded stepchild. Jason Takes Manhattan was so bad in terms of box office and reception that... Paramount, like, was pretty much done with the whole series, and New Line got him for cheap. A lot of it was Sean Cunningham, who had still some of the rights there, basically, and wanted to work with New Line also. But the whole purpose for New Line buying it was to do Freddy vs. Jason. There was no plan, I don't think, necessarily to do standalone Jason movies. They wanted to fast-track Freddy vs. Jason. The problem was, at the same time they bought the rights, Wes Craven had came to New Line wanting to do a new nightmare and Wes Craven had no interest in doing Freddy vs. Jason he just wanted to do, oh. do a new nightmare that would if Wes great, was right? part of Freddy vs. Jason that would have been awesome because then we wouldn't have gotten the bullshit we got <laughs> it would have been fantastic but it's not Wes Craven's not like a he's not like a popcorn movie type person per se he, he wouldn't want to do something like that um, he's more artistic so he wants to do a new nightmare so New Line is just happy to have him back so because of that, they have to put Freddy vs. Jason on hold, which makes Sean Cunningham say, hey, like, okay, well, we have the property, we have the rights. If it's being put on hold, let's go ahead and do another Jason movie. Thus, Jason goes to hell. And this is what we got. <laughs> uh, Dead Eye has to do what a Dead Eye has to do, so. Yeah, they definitely ripped that from Evil Dead. They ripped a few things from Evil Dead in this section. Now think about it. The budget for Freddy's Dead was $11 million. Which, it paid off because the movie grossed about thirty-five million. So they made thirty-five million on eleven million budget. So Freddie bringing in the box office now. So a little bit more than triple their budget. Yep. Two years later, let's cut to Jason goes to hell, and let's see what they were thinking here. I bet eight million. Well, this really sums up the difference between Freddie versus Jason and the Eyes of New Line. Jason goes to hell. The final Friday was given a budget. Of three million dollars, so. Ooh, I was off. What's funny because that's like, that's like in line with the first couple of Fridays, like back in the, the early eighties. Were like. And this one was a little bit. This one was a little bit more well made. Yeah, absolutely. So interesting though, the gross was fifteen million. So 
They made money. They got fifteen million on a three million budget, so not as not as good as G- Freddy though. Freddy will always be king. Oh yeah, I mean, there's most of Friday Thirty movies did not come close to the top tier Freddy box office ones. Um, okay, so yeah, so pretty much New Line is taking a cautious approach. They're like, hey, you can have a couple million, a very low budget, do what you want. And Sean Cunningham basically hired, I want to say at the time it was like a 19-year-old director, 19 or 20 years old, this dude Adam Marcus, the director, super young, and let him do whatever he wanted, basically. Born 68, so 24, okay, I'm selling him short, he actually, he was a 24-year-old director, actually, at this time. So, 24 years old, his first actual movie that he's directing, and what's crazy is, they, they I read that basically that, being a first-time director, he messed up a lot of the shots, and at the end of the day, they only had about 45 minutes of actual usable film. So they had to go back in and do some creative editing and extend some shots and do reshoots to get it to a normal runtime. But his original cut that he came back with was like 45 minutes, apparently. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, um, the, the, parts he, the parts that weren't edited like crazy to fix his mistakes were actually really good shot. Yeah. But it, I, I'm guessing what it is they did was like they took a lot of scenes and let them like play longer, whereas like normally you would cut them earlier. They probably had a lot of scenes like extend longer. Um, anyway, so that's just the background of the movie. Jason goes to hell. Really was supposed to be just something to to fill in the middle between fill in the gap between whenever Freddy vs Jason was going to come out. And funny thing, later on, the same exact thing happened with Jason X where. Freddy vs. Jason got delayed again, and Sean Cunningham was like, alright, let's just do another one to, again, keep Jason fresh in everybody's minds. So That's why we got Jason X also. Anyway, so, you want to get into this opening scene? So, this opening scene, it is amazing balls. You get a random girl, you get a magic towel, and you get Jason. And the FBI. What all do you need from a Jason movie other than those? Well, I'll say this, even though it's a new line, it's a new start, a new beginning, if I have to use that pun, if I have to use the pun, because I hate <laughs> that movie. But um, you know, the very first opening shot, we have the familiar score. We have the same score from the first eight movies, the classic Friday 13th score with these opening shots of Crystal Lake. And yeah, we have a typical setup where you have the hopeless, would-be hopeless victim coming randomly to a camp in the woods at Crystal Lake, which makes no sense again i'm always complaining about every movie about why would anybody be coming to camp crystal lake at this point its reputation must be very well known right so that never makes any sense but they're actually gonna finally do it right because what happens here actually does make sense it should have happened a long time ago the whole opening scene is pretty suspenseful there's a lot of like kind of fake false scares before jason actually appears and it was done very well actually just from the opening scene if it was going to be like a typical slasher movie it looks like it would have been a pretty good Jason movie from this opening scene at least. Now you were talking about a comic but a comic book that um, tries to fill in the gap between Jason Takes Manhattan and this movie. I'm on the fence about always about um, <laughs> are comic books canon? I don't think they are because I don't think enough people know them for it to be canon. So I feel like I would... only movies to me are canon. I feel like if you're if there's never like a sequel made then just as a a service to the fans, they can use the comic book as like, okay, well, this is what would have happened, whatever, whatever. But 
if you're still actually actively making movies, I don't think like comics between movies can serve as canon. They can only serve as canon if the continuity is correct. But seeing as how this is J- Jason movie, there's no such thing as continuity. That's absolutely true. I mean, the last we saw of Jason technically was he was a little kid in the sewers. Yeah, so how is he an adult? And according to what I read, because I watched it on Amazon, they give you that a few like background things about it. And it literally said that he Jason walked from Manhattan <laughs> to Crystal Lake. Oh my goodness. So he I'm didn't just think he didn't swim back he didn't swim back, he he walked. Right. And that's probably because he's too damn heavy to swim. I don't think Jason has the cardio to like walk even that distance, honestly. <laughs> he's a dead man. He has the cardio. Plus, if he had the cardio, why is he so much he's so much heavier in this movie than he is even in Jason Takes Manhattan? Like it looks like He's been uh, hitting the hitting the donuts between the two movies. So him him walking that much, he would have lost weight. I would have thought and not gained weight. So that makes no sense. No, he he probably stopped at every doomed donuts he could find. Uh, the man's got to eat. Even deadites have to eat. Even uh, even zombies have to eat. I guess. But yeah, yeah the, I mean, the problem is there's no. I have no. As the movie starts, if it was connected to Jason X Manhattan, I have no idea how long ago the movie was. Like I have no idea how to fit this in the timeline. Um, and then as the movie progresses, everything that happens is going to suggest to me that this is basically a whole new universe, a whole new timeline, because nothing's going to fit with the earlier movies story-wise. Um, yeah, but, well, at least this does agree with me on the fact that you have a serial killer in this area. They decide to use it as a way to make him money. Yeah. This feels like basically... Uh, and so I think we talked about this one once before. This feels like a different script that then they just plugged in Jason into like a different movie, right? But it's actually not. This is actually a script written for Jason Goes to Hell. Um, maybe the writer had was planning on doing another movie and then just used a lot of ideas for the Jason script because they had to do it really quickly. But this was written for this movie, which is amazing because it feels like some other body-snatching <laughs> alien movie that happens to have Jason in it. Yeah, well... Speaking of aliens, uh, let's get to our cast list, because this is very alienated. That's not even a pun. That's just a bad way to say things. That doesn't make any grammatical sense. (laughs) I'm going to let that go, though. (laughs) So, characters of note, so I don't have to introduce them later. Are you ready for this? This is a pretty big list. I'm used to all the movies having big cast lists. Okay. So, Steven, Jessica, Vicky, Robert, Sheriff Landis... Joey, Shelby, Josh, Randy, The Coroner, Ward, Random Beginning Girl, Jason, Diana, and Duke. There we go. You know the one note on the actor who plays Steven, he was also the star of the Friday 13th TV show, at least the first couple of seasons. And from that connection, they approached him to be in this, and he was kind of hesitant, but then he was like, well, this is a whole different thing from the series, which it is. And so... um He's a good actor. He's actually really good in the TV show, too. I watched the first season. He's pretty solid. Never seen it. It just came... It just, you know, it just came to um, DVD and Blu-ray, I think, like a year or two ago. So it's actually on Blu-ray now. Okay. Um, Freddy's Nightmares is on Tubi. Yeah, I tried to give that a chance. I like the first episode, but it does kind of... It's not one of the better 
anthology shows like tales from the crypt is like 10 times better honestly well um, nothing can beat tales from the crypt don't, don't even compare those two yeah that's true um when you first saw this movie how surprised were you by this whole beginning scene being like an fbi sting like they're hiding in the woods waiting for jason like i was shocked i was like what what the hell well seeing as how the very first time i saw this was with you like what three or four years ago oh man that's true right you didn't know about the fbi sting i don't think right no i've only ever heard of the movie never actually watched it so then all of a sudden i watch it i'm just thinking to myself oh cops are actually doing something don't you feel like now because we i I guess since we just have recently watched the entire series doesn't it feel like this should happen a long time ago like what is (laughs) that FBI been doing while all these people have been getting murdered for the last 20, 30 years. Like, I'm like, finally, they finally set up an easy trap for him and got him. They could have done this uh, six movies ago. I, I, I know exactly what happened. Uh, because Rob never came back to report his findings to the FBI, they all thought Rob just flew the coop. Well, yeah, undercover agent Rob, whatever his last name was, um, he went rogue, of course, and got killed by jason but in part four um yeah he was supposed to bring back his findings to the fbi but come to find out you know he died so the fbi just thought he went super rogue never came back and potentially killed jason because everyone because who cares about the other kids that get killed later on right yeah so basically like 300 bodies later the fbi finally does what they could have done a long time ago a very simple easy sting operation where they set up Jason, Jason falls in the trap, they blow him to smithereens, and the movie's over. End credits. Hit, hit end credits. This is an easy, this is yep. easy podcast. Yep. So I will see you next week, bud. Oh, except for that close-up on his heart. His heart is still there, and it's beating, and, and Crane Duke's in the bushes saying, that's not it. Not speaking that easy. Crane, <laughs> speaking of Crane Duke, I have to do this to you. I know. I know what you're going to say. That he played Rufus. On Supernatural. I don't care. That's so many years later. <laughs> I I know him actually from the show 21 Jump Street with Johnny Depp. He was the, uh, the captain on that show also. Um, fun fact. I he, need to watch that now. He only would play this role if they let him dress as a cowboy. He had a thing about wanting to dress as a cowboy. So I'm just wondering why we never got like a show based all around Creighton Duke. Just because they mentioned that he goes after all these serial killers. Well, Crane Duke is kind of a cheat code in this movie. I mean, normally I always come down on the the Oracle or the Psychic or the person who mysteriously has all the information. As much as I love Crane Duke, he has way too much information about how to stop Jason, about the whole mythology of Jason. How the hell does he know all this information about Jason? He knows everything. He's like a cheat code. So, I have a theory, but it's completely wrong. Are you ready for this? That sounds like all your theories. Well, this one I know is wrong, but I'm still going to say it. <laughs> Creighton Duke is actually Reggie from Part 5. Do mm. you know why that sounds so wrong? Because Reggie never went up against the actual Jason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, actually, so I looked it up, and there is actually... There is a written backstory for Creighton Duke that didn't actually make it into the final film. So, what it says on IMDb, at least, is that the original backstory is that some years ago, him and his girlfriend were um, on in a boat on Camp Crystal Lake, and Jason came up out of the water and took his girlfriend down to the water. And ever since then, after that, apparently, 
Crane Duke first became a cop, and then later on something happened where he left the police force and became what he is, and Jason goes to hell. But pretty much, apparently, Jason got his girlfriend years ago. So after that, he dedicated a portion of his life to stopping Jason. But they did, they left that out of the film, which again it just leaves you just so, wondering what the hell. So especially with that one line he says at the end, but. Yeah, I mean, look, again, uh, timeline-wise, it's kind of like, okay, well, when did this happen? Because it's hard to be like, okay, well, Jason attacked you back in the day. Like, after part two, we see we see everything Jason does after part two. There's no time after part two where we don't... So it had to be, like, in between one and two or something. But that's why I don't think that or, fits the story at all. Or there's one thing we're, we're missing. What if Creighton Duke was actually the boyfriend of one of the main characters and he just did not come back because he thought she died? I mean, there's like, what, three characters that technically was thrown in the lake and was pulled under by Jason through so many different backstories of these characters? Yeah, but I'm trying to think what potential female that could have been, though. Uh, and and every almost every female in the series has a boyfriend with her at the lake, so it, it just doesn't work. Well, that's why Creighton Duke <laughs> thought she died, so he never came back. I mean, it's the same backstory as the one, the one thing there. So even if he was at the lake with her and she gets pulled under by Jason, I mean, there's nothing he can do. He's pretty much screwed. So you know what? I know who it is. It's Chris from Part Three. So my thing is like, yeah, I mean, I like Creighton Duke, but he knows so much. He's even in the bushes here, like as. Like, he knew there was going to be an FBI sting, so... Um, maybe he was part of it, and we just didn't see that part. Well, I do like the backstory. Maybe he was a cop. If he used to be a cop before this, maybe he still had some connections, and that informed him that, you know, they're planning something. My thing is, and this is very simplistic, though, I kind of feel like... I feel like Jason himself would have noticed, like, the FBI setting up shop in the woods. Like, they would have had to research the location... They would have had to like plan it out. I feel like Jason himself would have been like, "Hey, what are these guys doing here? They look like they're planning to take me out." So that's one thing I would say that's kind of kind of off. But yeah, well, th- th- this is Jason we're talking about. He's not the smartest killer in the shed. Man, some of these movies, Jason's very smart, and then he goes back to being an idiot. So I don't know. <laughs> Especially <laughs> around the end, they they play loose with Jason's intelligence because in some scenes. He can be like so like cunning and smart, and then in other scenes, he's the biggest dummy in the world. So, well, how about we get to the fact that the coroner decided to be extremely hungry? I always say, don't do medical procedures on an empty stomach, and this really proves that point. Yeah, because he looked at that heart like fried chicken. He he got into it like it was like a like an Arby's commercial where like we love the meat. No, it's like at at Arby's, don't dumb. We love the meat. So I actually saw a little bit of trivia that I just feel like sharing with you. So Jason's heart was actually made of gelatin and filled with a fruit cocktail mixed with black dye. Oh, that sounds good, actually. Richard Gant almost threw up every single time he had to bite that damn heart. Oh, wow. (laughs) He said it was the most nastiest thing he ever fucking tasted. (laughs) I would think they would have made it, like, taste like cake, you know? Like, if he's going to have to do, like... (laughs) numerous scenes biting into it i'm like make it at least edible for him tastes good because he, uh, he he eats it like it's the best thing he's ever tasted <laughs> it's, right. it's really good acting on his part then <laughs> you just like spray do like an edible spray paint of a fried chicken piece 
Yeah, like I, on like my the hungriest I've ever been in my life. I never I never remember diving into food the way the enthusiasm he shows as he bites into it is like my god. Also, these two kills that happen off screen after the coroner's death, uh, Jason kills himself. Yeah, we get the Kane Hodder cameo, and you know, you know, maybe it's a different body, but you still can't talk crap to Jason and get away with it. Apparently not, because hell, that's the same reason he kills the corn, the coroner assistant too. He starts talking shit to him. Yeah, so this starts the Apparently. whole body switching angle which we'll talk about but Duke wants 500 grand to kill Jason I think that's a reasonable number especially considering the risk he's putting himself to yeah what's crazy is the the news anchor guy is like he's actually gonna pay it this man's about to get brings up proof Duke's about to get paid what proof would you bring though maybe Jason's head mask machete well, what's funny is the proof, though, he says, essentially, you have to first prove that he's alive and then prove he's dead. Because from their perspective, he's still dead. He's already dead. Now, yeah, because get... technically the body was still in the morgue when it happened. Right. And nobody's going to believe that he's hop- hopping bodies. So, um, also, that thing is, um, apparently Jason's body was flown to wherever this hospital is. And he has to go from there back to Crystal Lake. That would probably explain the five random deaths we never see but hear of on the news anchor. Yeah, he's hitchhiking his way back to town, so on the way he's killing random people, I guess. It, it's most really... likely everyone having sex in the woods. Which must have been like almost like a national holiday because now that Jason's dead, <laughs> it's like, hey, why wouldn't we? <laughs> well, that's exactly what the three campers thought. I don't know if I'd be bold enough to go to actual Crystal Lake, though. I mean, is it really worth it? I mean, I know that he's dead, but would I still go to Crystal Lake itself? No. Hey, that The redhead camper, Alexis, she definitely thought it was worth it trying to get with Steven. Well, she gets my dumbest character in the movie. Uh, if that was a category, she would win because, first of all, you never go to a camp as a third wheel with a couple. That's already awkward itself, both for you and the couple. And secondly, you're relying on the the driver who picked you up and coming on to him after meeting him two minutes ago, you kind of get what you kind of probably deserve to die for being stupid. Yeah, I mean, seriously, how horny is this girl that she has to try that she's picking up the first guy that picks her up? Especially this guy looks like a damn nerd. Well, not that, but what if he's a, a psychopathic killer? I mean, you can't. Well, I mean, really this whole put your trust into him after two minutes. Everybody in this movie thinks so. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, you know, these are outsiders. They've never met this guy before, so. Well, speaking of outsiders, uh, Alexis dies by being cut up. She should have stayed home and watched Matlock. Yep. Deborah gets cut in half. That was a very awkward scene. <laughs> <laughs> very awkward. Oh, no, at least she got to go off first. Well, so the backstory here is that the two actors in this scene... Uh, they, weren't they just recently broken up co- yeah. uh, couple yeah what the hell how did they get cast first of all like how how coincidental is that and then yeah that had to be awkward you just broke up and now you have to do this scene awkward I mean, here's the real question was it awkward for them or was it a little bit more comfortable because they know who they're with at the for that scene 
And also, did they get back together after the movie? <laughs> I doubt it. Maybe this rekindled the, the romance. Probably not. It didn't. It didn't. It's kind of hard to rekindle a romance when one's in half and the other one's just disappeared. That's true. Um, so. And then Edna gets crushed by a door. This looked very painful. <laughs> it did. My God. My goodness. Wow. Um, so. One thing I like about this movie is that it's really not about teen characters. And there's nothing wrong with teen characters other than usually they're written with no personality and they're usually very stupid and one-track mind, but it's kind of refreshing to have adult characters. They feel like real it, people in this movie. They feel like real human beings. And also, the it feels like there's a the stakes is the reason. Stakes are actually reason enough for these characters to actually stay and try to fight Jason in the first place. It's not like they just can't leave. Yeah, there's actually, I mean, there's a child at stake, and um, that alone, as parents, they have to, you know, defend their child, so. Even though Steven never knew that he had a daughter. Yeah, I thought that was kind of, well, maybe, which I don't know. Me, I'm, I'm not just sure. just makes me think Jessica is a meanie head. Do you feel like, with their relationship, do you feel like they gave not enough information, or just the right amount, or would you like to see that explored more in terms of their history and background well to be fair when we find out that she has the daughter and named him steph named the daughter stephanie that that's all i really need to know because now it tells us okay y'all were together y'all aren't anymore but seeing as how steven did not even know he had a daughter it, that's the only part that kind of rubs me the wrong way it's like well, it, ma- it makes me you think like have told him at some point it makes you wonder it makes you wonder like how bad was the breakup like it was that bad that you had to leave town and not tell him about his his child, and it's was he hard, abusive. It's hard to believe because they they write him like he's like a, a do-gooder, like he's like a good person. So um, even the mother likes him. Yeah, they make him seem like he's like an ideal father and boyfriend. So it's and 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 by the way, now she's like with this like news reporter guy who looks like the biggest jerk in the world. Well, maybe maybe that's what she likes. Maybe she likes jerks, and this guy really is a jerk. Consider in fact, he steals. Her mother's body from the morgue puts it in the Voorhees house just to play the angle. I don't think at that point, I don't think jerk is a strong enough word. He's like the highest level of creepy and evil. It feels like at that point. Well, speak. Well, I mean, he's about to find out what a uh, worm going down his throat feels like. Yo, ho, ho. <laughs> so, so, some of these, some of these scenes made me gag a little bit. It's like really. It's not like gory, but just like uncomfortable stuff. Like I don't know. So, what? Ha- so the worm passing from Josh to Robert was uncomfortable. What happens to Josh afterwards was gory and actually pretty awesome. Agreed. He just starts melting to the floor. Well, not only that, we get all this. There's all these Easter eggs in this movie. We get the Necronomicon. Necronomicon. Yeah, we have that. The Myers house. Yep, the Myers house. Yep. Because uh, when Robert attacks Jessica. Steven saves her, and as they're driving away, or when she finally gets to the police station, she tells him, like, look, I just kicked Steven out of the car. I drove here as fast as I can. He's by the old Myers place. So you're telling me Michael Myers either lived there or the family moved there after Michael Myers killed the sister? Yeah, it's it's too much of a throwaway line to really mean anything. So um, It's still fun. I guess. I mean, if you're 
if they're going to connect that with also, of course, we'll end up getting the Freddy glove eventually. So we'll connect yeah. all that to one movie. But uh, this By the movie, way, you know what they call yeah. French fries in this town? No. Jason Fingers. What, what's, so I guess. What, what's crazy is, like I said, just at the beginning movie, it was like well known that Jason was still running rampant in Crystal Lake. Like, that's crazy to me that before the FBI thing, it was just like known, I guess, that, hey, he's out there and he's killing people. Like, I would get the hell out of that town at that point. They're doing Jason fingers, but whatever. Well, I mean, as long as you stay away from Camp Crystal Lake, you should be fine. But there is one thing we have skipped over that's probably important for us to tell, and that is the plot of the movie. (laughs) Ah, well, yes. It's not so easy to explain the plot. It's not really a one-line type of plot. It's like a pretty stupid and in-depth, I guess, but that makes sense. Well, this was like, what, three monologues worth as he's breaking people's fingers? Yeah, I mean, if I was Steven, I'd have been, I'd have been done at the first one. I'd have been like, you know, just just keep the information. I'm good. <laughs> I'm gonna just sit in my jail cell. I don't, I don't need you breaking all my fingers. Um, yeah. What? But the... then you won't be able to save your girlfriend. What kind of drugs was the writer on when he actually came up with this plot? <laughs> this is not a plot that a normal person thinks about. This, this is at least not for Jason anyway. Yeah, I mean, okay, look, so. Um, the Jason we know, his whole backstory, his whole point is that he wants revenge on the camp counselors who both killed his mom and were uh, negligent to him as a kid when he was supposedly drowning. It's very simple. I mean, that's Jason, right? I don't know what this is. Right. I don't know if he's a deadite. I don't know if he's an alien. I don't know what his purpose is. I don't know what Jason's doing in this movie. I don't know what's going on. How does it fit into the we- narrative of the series? What are you talking about? We know exactly what he's doing. He's trying to get his body back. I guess, but I mean... By violating his female family members. Yeah. So, there's nothing wrong with doing like an outside-of-the-norm plot. I mean, obviously, Part 5, New Beginning, had a pretty off-the-rails plot. There's nothing wrong with that. But... In my mind, we have to just separate this from the rest of the series then. This is a new timeline, a new canon, because the body hopping thing just doesn't fit with the previous movies. So it makes no sense. Um, so, okay, as a new story, separate from the other movies, I'll judge it as a, in, as a solo experimental thing. It's okay. The well, let's, well, let's go ahead and judge some of these kills at the police station, because Robert somehow teleports, even though it's already proven that Jason can't teleport technically in this movie because he had to walk from one state to another. Mm. But for some reason, Robert was able to teleport from Diana's house to the police station before Steven even gets there. He did indeed. He did. You're right. Can someone explain this to me? Because his leg should have been smashed too. It's horportation. So... But he should, he's not supposed to have that in this movie, as we've already seen. It took him over a week to walk from state to state. If he could horribitate, why did it take him a week? Okay, so he got a ride. <laughs> he still he still looks like a human being, so maybe somebody picked him up. Yeah, with blood all over him, smashed legs. Yeah. He, he he's he's coming from a barbecue buffet. Uh, mm. He didn't he didn't use napkins. So there mm. we go. Speaking of barbecue, uh, a pig, a chicken, and a cow walk into a barbecue. The end. Wow. 
Anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah, the police police station massacre. Let's call it that. Not really, but I guess. Yep. Not really, because only like, what, three people actually die in this scene? Yeah. I do like, um, spoiler, my favorite scene is coming up, and that's going to be the diner scene. Uh, the diner shootout? When all hell breaks loose, when Robert shows up and you got the poor kid out front just like trying to shoot him, I guess, but. Yeah, Ward. Poor, poor Ward. He wasn't. He's the only one who actually believes Stephen was not the killer. He wasn't getting paid enough to deal with this. That's just not right. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, because when I was going through the movie, I was looking at a death list. So that way I knew to mention all, if not most, of the deaths at least. The death list I was looking at did not mention the guy that damn Steven shoots shooting at Robert. Right. That's true. That poor bastard. That poor bastard just got up to try and get the hell out of the way. Innocent bystander taken out. Another one, which probably isn't a death, but he tries to attack Robert, and Robert just throws him into the table. Yeah, I like I love the deaths of the um, the somewhat annoying uh, owners of the diner, the, uh, the <laughs> Shelby the, and Joey. Yeah, I mean they're kind of that those like fun towny types that are like just trying to make a quick buck on everything, and they just had some really, really creative death scenes for them. They did, but I I actually like Shelby. Shelby was a pretty cool guy. Joey, you know, <laughs> you could definitely tell she cared, but you can also tell she definitely likes her money. Yeah. She's Mr. Krabs. She had to go. They both had to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shelby is now fried chicken, and unfortunately, Joey will not be able to eat that fried chicken. What about the one girl becoming suddenly becoming Sigourney Weaver? Vicky, yeah, she just pulls out a shotgun out of nowhere. What the hell? I mean, just <laughs> just one earlier scene establishing that she was like into combat training or something because she's very handy with that weapon. They're in the middle of nowhere. She's probably hunted throughout her life. I don't know, man. She looks like she's about to kick Jason's ass, honestly. And she, well, I mean, she does. Be, I was about to say, to be fair, she does somewhat a good job for about a second well i mean she yeah she runs into some some errors there some some difficulties <laughs> some obstacles and and then her head gets crushed in that was a fun scene too I, I, the death scenes are pretty pretty excellent to be honest i'm gonna say it what i what i liked was the fact that she did not even try to f- actually cry for her own life or try to ask for mercy she just told him go to hell yeah once you put up a fight like that you can't suddenly be make her scared she's just been a badass last three minutes so that was the i think that was the appropriate reaction just like yeah go to hell (laughs) go to hell it was in the line of take your best shot motherfucker but here's the real question i got about the scene because there was something happening in the background that we didn't see that is duke Apparently knows horror portation. Yeah, it doesn't 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 surprise me. How does he go from the police station to the diner, kidnap the baby, and then to the house before we even, before Robert even gets there? 
Uh, it's the same way he knows everything about Jason, including how to kill him, the entire mythology of that, and how Jessica is the key to, his, to Jason's demise. The same way he knows all the information, and the same way he can teleport to all the different places. So he learned horrorportation? That's a learned trait? That's not something that's just given to you when you become a serial killer? Hey, you'll be surprised what you can find on YouTube. Well then. <laughs> Put in the right Google search, you'll be very surprised. Well then, so how about we just get to this climax? Because this, this climax is weird. Yeah, I mean, the body hopping thing sets up like a whodunit kind of way because you don't know which, you don't know who is actually Jason now. Who's Who has Jason's thing inhibited? Is it the, the friend Randy? Is it the sheriff? Who is it? Well, apparently, what's, what's weird is the first three bodies we see, they do not talk. They were, they try to act all, you know, mat, muscular and menacing and all that. And then we get this last one where all of a sudden Jason can talk. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> he doesn't just straight up murder everybody in that damn room. Well, this is the biggest hint that this whole New Line thing is a whole different universe because I can't think of any scenario where Jason would talk. Like, in all the movies we've seen, Jason. Uh, maybe you could argue that this is the first time he has a reason to communicate, but I just don't buy. And what does he say? He says like, "Stay away from her, something like that, and get away from yeah. her." Something? Yeah, I just don't buy it. It's a fun thing because it throws you off. It makes you think, "Oh, that's not Jason," but it's in hindsight, that's just not his character. He doesn't talk. Yeah, it, which makes no sense because the other three didn't talk either. They warred, and if they, they never talked, and if they could talk, they could have used that to their advantage. Because they yeah, could they could have been normal then and, and presented themselves as normal if they could talk. Right. So, Randy was our Jason, and then we get Jason Worm violating his dead sister. You know, I feel bad. One note, I feel bad for Randy because all throughout the movie, really, he's just trying to do his job and be a good cop. I mean, he keeps and running. And be a good friend. Yeah, he's, he's actually kind of sympathetic because he really never does anything. He never really betrays his friend. He also never is a bad cop. He's doing everything by the book. But his friend just keeps crapping on him, including this ending where he kills him. <laughs> like, <laughs> Without hesitation, I might add. Yeah, I mean, maybe there wasn't a better solution at the time because things are going down, but you got to just, like, chop him up like that? Like, seriously? With no remorse? <laughs> and at, afterwards, like, you're just not like, hey, I killed my best friend. Like, wow. But I got the girl. Yeah, the whole movie, though, he showed no regard for Randy the entire movie. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, you could have let him in on the plan, and he probably would have, like, joined in while on the plan and helped you, but you kept treating him like a cop instead of a friend. It's really weird. Like, at, at the jail thing, right? When he has to get out the, the prison cell, right? Mm-hmm. Just, like, explain to your friend what's going on, what you have to do. Instead, you have to, like, pull a ruse and, like, beat him up and stuff. I'm like, what? Yeah, well, Stephen only cares about the girl. Well, the girl and his child. Are you sure? Because I, I could have been wrong. I could have been paying attention to something else. But uh, I did not see them walking away with the child at the end. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm assuming they didn't. If they, if they forgot about the child, then someone needs to call uh, child labor. And child I'm pretty services. sure they forgot the child. Listen, the director was 24 years old. It was his first movie. He forgot the baby. The baby's back at the, the baby's back at the, the house. He's like, the baby's, the baby's dead. 
The baby's like, oh, what are you doing? Like, come get back, come back and get me. No, um, actually, that's how Jason comes back in Jason X. Because they freak out the child. Jason somehow gets back out of hell and infects that child. Let's talk about this ending for a second in more detail. So, basically, um, Jason, um, alien Jason, is able to find Diane, her body, in the basement. And violates her. her like evil dead really weird and then we get actual jason jumping up from the basement and yeah maybe it's, it's maybe it's because we haven't seen him the whole movie but this actually feels powerful you're like oh my goodness it's jason it's a big the, the theater probably cheered when this happened and then he breaks creighton duke's back and i'm sure everyone cried i mean duke once he handcuffed himself to jason he basically was making himself sacrificial lamb because there's no coming back from handcuffing but we do get the the line of remember me so we get the line but not enough backstory to really do it right everybody in the theater is like are we supposed to remember you i mean listen i know that it makes more sense to have steven fight jason but imagine if we just get like a nice little fight between creighton duke and jason right that's the well we got the backstory that would have made a little bit more sense yeah i would have liked to seen Duke live because truth is that's a character that you can use in all the future movies. You can keep bringing him back as like a bounty hunter who's always tracking Jason. So or kind of a waste. You could New Line could have used that character to have him go after some of their other char- other serial killers like they could have had Creighton Duke versus Freddy. Yeah. Pumpkinhead. I don't even I don't know Pumpkinhead New Line. Well, ah, uh, that I don't know. But imagine if if Duke lives there, imagine when you go to make Freddy vs. Jason, you can incorporate him in the script a little bit because he can be giving... You already got, like, Freddy's backstory, but you can use Duke then to give Jason's backstory. Um, you can even have him die in the movie, but it would have been nice to have him around for Freddy vs. Jason. Now, obviously, nah, f- he would have been too old at the point for Jason X, but... <laughs> but. I feel like Creighton Duke should have gotten his own, like, movie series where he goes yeah. up against Ma... Like, or have him go just randomly show up in other New Lion Cinema horror icons. Yeah. Well, certainly he's the most memorable character from this movie. And when when you read fan reviews of the, the movie, that's one of their big takeaways. Just like Cray and Duke, as unbelievably lucky as he is to know everything about Jason. He's a cheat, <laughs> he's a cheat code. Um, you just um, The actor Stephen Williams like gives him such a... Um, such a weird edge i don't know it's hard to describe he has a weird presence but it's powerful i guess so he's the same way honestly in supernatural he's kind of a cheat code every now and then it's just some of the situations he gets himself into just hilarious now one thing i'll say though is um and then this and they couldn't have used them because they didn't have the rights i don't think but clearly this role, though, if you could have if you could have found a way to have Tommy Jarvis be this role, that would have made that would have tied all the movies together a little bit more organically. Because um, who who else would have all the information and be a bounty hunter chasing Jason than Tommy Jarvis? Um, but I mean, they didn't have the rights and blah blah blah. But so I'm just, I'm happy we got Duke. But well, how about we talk about this insane fight scene that makes no damn sense? You know, I was just waiting for the Mortal Kombat theme music to kick in <laughs> right at the beginning because we have, well, we've always wanted this. We wanted Jason versus uh, Steven. Yeah, apparently. 
And it's about as one side as you expect because Steven quickly learns that he's not really in a position to, to fight Jason. <laughs> well, apparently Jason does not have all of his powers yet because he's not just straight up killing him. Or Steven just pissed him off that much. Or it's just bad writing and not really knowing the character of Jason. Jason, when he's encountered anybody in the past, uh, minus maybe Julius, who he let him punch him out. Everybody else, Jason's a quick hitter, man. He kills you quick. He moves on with his life. I've never seen Jason be like, boy, I'm going to beat the crap out of you. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell, man? (laughs) I was just expecting Jason to lean over Steven and just tell him, you got knocked the fuck out. The reason I say it's bad writing is because literally you can tell what they're doing is they're buying time for for Jessica to be able to get the dagger. So they're like, okay, how can we have Jason confronted with Steven by the same time we have to cut to like Jessica trying to get the dagger? And the way to do it is actually probably to have Steven actually on the offensive beating up Jason. Like, and then at the very last second, Jason gets the upper hand and is about to kill Steven, and then she comes, but like five minutes of Jason just like throwing him around and beating him up makes no sense. You should have had, you should have had Steven do a beat down with a shovel and then like the last shovel shot, Jason grabs the shovel and then goes for like a stab or something like that. And then she comes, but him just beating him with a stick and throwing him around the playground. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, it's hilarious, but <laughs> what I think it is, is that whoever wrote the script, decided to watch all the Friday 13th movies and said, you know what was missing in any of these? A fight scene. Yeah. I got one better. fight scenes makes everything better. I got one better. Maybe the writer and the director, maybe they never watched any of the previous movies and just did this (laughs) as like a cold turkey, just fresh, so. That'd be stupid. So if they're going to leave, if we're going to say they left the baby behind, how about we get an alternate ending where where Freddy's glove doesn't pull the mask down, but pulls the baby down. It might be too dark. I don't know. <laughs> Imagine his glove pulling the baby down to hell. Like, be like, what? <laughs> I mean, I don't remember seeing them with the baby as they're walking away. You have the one-line dialogue where Steven's like, hey, are we forgetting something? No. <laughs> Let's walk it, walk off into the sunset. <laughs> you hear a baby crying faintly in the background. <laughs> I'll have to rewatch that. Did they leave the baby? She, I think she probably had the baby like cuddled in her arms or something. I'm guessing. I I hope I'm just not. I, I hope I'm just did not see it right. But I'm pretty sure they left the fucking baby. Well, finally, after an hour and twenty five minutes, they remember this movie's called Jason Goes to Hell, and they finally show us thanks to the help of a magic dagger that Jason is going to hell. Yes. There we go. All right. Well, I guess maybe categories. Categories. Okay. Best performance. I mean, we just talked about him, so it's kind of like anticlimactic, but clearly, clearly. It's Steven. It's got to be Steven. Yeah, I mean. It's got to be. Um, and by that, I mean Steven Williams, the actor who's playing Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, you love how, that, how we went like that, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, Crane Duke is, like I said, he's a memorable character. Would have loved to have seen him. I mean, maybe some more backstory would make his character make more sense because he just, he's a know-it-all, and the breaking the fingers thing is kind of weird. So he's a, he's a weird presence. Um, maybe that's the backstory of his girlfriend. She loved breaking fingers. So, um, worst performance? Uh, that was actually kind of hard because this movie was acted fairly well for what it is. Yeah, it is tough. Um 
Yeah, I got to think hard about this for a second because nothing really said as being bad per se. Um, I'm giving it to Robert just because of how despicably evil he was, and then we don't really get a payoff before he becomes Jason. Yeah. Even that, really, even that feels it, like you're you're reaching because you're, tr- you're struggling to figure out who to. <laughs> I mean, who, I am who to who to pin this on. Um, that is exactly what I'm doing. I am reaching. <laughs> so sometimes worst performance can just be literally like the lesser of the good performances. Sometimes you just have to go with that. And in that mold, I would say I'm gonna go with Jessica strictly because I would say that maybe emotionally she doesn't really show her emotions that well. And um, she forgot the baby. Well, yeah, that, that especially. So. <laughs> we're we're reaching errors, the least of the good performances, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Jessica. Okay. Oh, best scene. Nothing can top the fight scene. The fight scene is just amazing. It's better than the raid, and just the magic towel that this girl had during this scene was just. Wait, what are you saying? You're talking about <laughs> you, you're naming you're naming three different scenes. You said the magic towel scene. So how is that the fight scene? What are you even saying? <laughs> I know I'm just doing it to confuse you completely. I actually did enjoy the very opening the most. And that's, yeah, and I'm not saying that be saying that's where the movie peaks. I'm saying that's just probably the most fun because again, you just something about that magic towel <laughs> and the fact that this girl who is actually bleeding out because she was cut before she was able to get away you can see blood on her she was still doing all these acrobatics and then the pretty cool shot of him exploding at the end of it 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 was just a fun scene all around i do like that scene because actually it's the only scene that feels like a friday 13th classical jason feel movie you know that up until the fbi gets there yeah, then it feels like something else completely different. Um, <laughs> I'm still going to go with the diner scene, though, because I feel like that five-minute stretch in the diner is kind of like... It feels almost like an action movie. The action picks up. We have so many cool deaths there. Um, I feel like that's the, the highlight. So many cool moments within that diner scene. Worst scene. I'm just going to say it. I think it's the the the, the breaking of the fingers. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most ridiculous way to get like a plot across. Um, like, okay, just Crane Duke, your whole goal is to get Jason, right? Why do you have to break the man's fingers? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, you're actually wasting time. (laughs) Like, the sooner you tell him, the quicker you can start the plan, but you're spending an extra five minutes to break his fingers. I thought it was just a weird scene, and I blame the writer for doing this creepy scene that makes you feel like Crane Duke's a weirdo. Well, he kind of is, but, um... For me, I'm actually going to have to give it to the finale a little bit. Mainly because, as we brought up, Jason would not have fought this guy. Jason would have just broken every bone in his body. Or the guy would have just ran. But Jason doesn't fight. He kills. And also that weird, evil, dead knockoff of Jason just going, violating his sister. That's just weird. So let's see. We're seeing, for me... Oh, I just said it. Yeah, the fingers. Yeah, you already said it. So now we're on, what would you rather change? What would I change? Very interesting. Well, you know, I mean, if I could change the entire plot and have more Jason in it, I would do that. But that seems like asking too much to change the entire story. Um, So within the confines of the story we're given, I would probably just... 
give Randy some more <laughs> props or give him some respect as a cop and let him play a more of a role instead of just always being at the effect of everybody and having really a th- end up being a thankless role pretty much. So I would increase Randy's role a little bit and have him help out at the end a little bit more. He did help out. He helped out by losing his head. Yeah, I mean, all that police training just to get your head up. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> so, what I would rather change is just keep Creighton Duke alive so we can get more movies with him in it. Would you have added his backstory? If you had a choice, would you rather them have added that backstory in for him? Like, give him an explanation of the, remember me? Oh, yeah, definitely. Some There's some scenes that may have dragged a little bit where you could have taken some of the taken away some of that time and added his backstory probably would have made the same amount of time if not maybe five minutes longer yeah well the whole um i believe i believe the camp thing with um where they go to the camp i believe that's actually a reshoot was like added in afterwards if i remember correctly i'll have to go back and check it out but i believe that was something they just wanted more kills and more gore so they added that in but i don't think that was in the original well, then, thing well then they should have just kept that out it is kind of like a weird taking a moment away from any of the main characters for like 10 minutes just it's kind of just kind of watch teenagers die have sex and die yep so anyway final thoughts sir um so i i like the movie i think it's different i think that's all about your expectations anybody watching the movie it's called jason goes to hell so you may have certain expectations when you start watching it if somebody can buff your expectations down to, hey, this is really not a Jason movie, treat this as like a standalone horror film, then I think you'll have fun with it. It has pretty good acting, it's well shot, um, good death scenes, so it's just out of place as a Jason movie, but on its own merit, it's actually pretty decent. So it's kind of like Halloween 3 where, you know, don't expect a Michael Myers movie, and you'll be pleasantly surprised, I feel like. Um, so treating it that way... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two and a half stars. I'm gonna actually give it a positive uh, overall review. Um, it's really not a cream of the crop of the series. It's not touching part six or part four, but I think it's better than some of the other sequels. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two and a half. Well, I'm gonna have to say, me and you are definitely agree with this one. I'm giving it a two and a half myself. Movie is fun. It's fun, even though the minor role of jason is in it and the weird fight scene overall it's fun kills are good acting was good it was shot well and the music was actually there to add the add some intensity instead of just being there just to be there right so but yeah uh overall yeah it's a two and a half for me too it's not the best it's not the worst it's more middle it's it's all about your expectations. As long as you're not expecting a traditional Jason movie, you'll be you'll like it. I think. And to be honest, by this point, they probably made this movie because they even New Line was getting bored of traditional Jason movies. Yeah, well, that's where you get this and then Jason X. But I mean, sometimes that works out. But I don't know. I mean, I, I would now in hindsight, going back now for a new one coming up, I'd rather just go back to the traditional formula, not do anything crazy. Whenever they do a new one, I hope they go back to the original formula and not do Jason in the Hood or Jason, something kind of weird travel movie with Jason. <laughs> Jason couldn't do in the Hood. It, it wouldn't be as fun. Nah, well, you really can't top Leprechaun in the Hood, so 
or back of the hood, I guess. I was about to say back of <laughs> the hood, not in the hood. <laughs> well, next week, guys, we have Jason X next week, and that's going to conclude our 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 franchise, uh, our series retrospective, I guess, if you want to call it that. Then we'll be moving on to the Children of the Corn series. No, I'm just playing. We would never. I was about to say, don't don't do that to us. Not we yet. Would, we would never do that to our fans to subject you through all Children of the Corn movies. At least, as Nick said, not yet. Well, hold on. They're, we're not subjecting them to it. We're subjecting ourselves to it to give them the review so that way they don't need to subject themselves to it. 